1: and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by CornNation.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. My name is Greg Mahochko. Joining me, he is one of the usual co-hosts in John Dam Johnston, and as we heard last week, Haas is going to be uh, MIA for four months. We might hope that we can get him uh, to to join us around spring ball time, but uh, uh, in his stead, at at least... uh, I don't know if it's you know for 16 consecutive weeks, but but at least for tonight and more than once, I guarantee you. Paul Dalen from Coronation is joining us uh, again. Paul, welcome back. Always a pleasure to have you on the show.
2: Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be on the show.
1: Well, we all remember how uh, I answered the phone, you know, or, or the phone, the call, you know. So we know the pleasure's high up there tonight. John, how are you doing, buddy?
0: Oh, it's a beautiful week.
1: No, it's not. Don't lie to me. <laughs> uh,
0: that sounded sarcastic, didn't it?
1: it? Yeah, it really did. Can I? Sp- speaking of week, d- does anybody else think it's a little ridiculous that we have such a, a long span between the college football semifinals and the championship game? Isn't it, it's, it's almost two weeks? Isn't that a little ridic- ridiculous? I, I well, guess. everybody everybody gets the chance to heal up. Yeah, you don't get that opportunity in the regular season. Um, it what it does
2: is it completely destroys this this. Uh, oh, oh, we can't, we can't, we can't expand the playoff because uh, the games will go too long into the season. Well. If you have three weeks off between the semis and the finals, um, you need to come up with a better excuse of why you can't have eight teams because you've got like two weekends free in the middle there that we could be playing football. I mean, I'm not going
1: to lie; it wasn't until John, you know, said, "Win whatever tone or tenor that you know," he said, "It's a beautiful week." That I I completely forgot that there's still college football to be played. I mean, that's just how out of sight, out of mind it is at this point. I bought stuff for dip. On Monday, because I thought the game was Monday. <laughs> what,
2: <laughs> well, that's and and that tells you how out of touch you get when you're in graduate school well, and working full time. Um, I really thought the game was Monday night.
1: Follow-up so, question for you, Paul: What what kind of dip are you going for? What's your go-to?
2: Oh, my go-to dip. Um, don't laugh, but there Red is uh, at Costco. Um, I get two two different kinds one is a one is kind of a spinach and artichoke dip and the other is this white queso dip and when you put them together um kind of mix them together and then bake them so they and and warm them up in the oven and they get they get um they melt Mm -hmm. you mix them together all
1: they're super good follow-up question to the follow-up question Uh uh-huh you said spinach artichoke dip I yeah. always think bread bowl. Do You got a bread bowl rocking down there in S.A.?
2: Um, No, no. We, we pretty much do tortillas down here, actually. That's fine. Bread bowl is uh, – that sounds like a, a northern thing. So,
1: no, nope, just just well, tortillas. Well, John, you're in the north. Uh, bread bowl, is that a, is that a northern thing? Yes. I just thought it was like a – you know, wherever you see a Panera, you can guarantee there's a bread bowl. Well, there.
0: You guys are – I'm the guy that doesn't eat
1: out a lot. Oh, fine. Sorry.
0: And well, queso sounds good. It's also all I can think of. My arteries clogging again.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's no doubt about that. Um, the th- it, the it,
0: spinach it's, artichoke it's, thing sounds fine to me. I'm okay with vegetables.
2: So, oh, well, uh, my it's, it's
1: it, calling it a vegetable is kind of a stretch, I suppose. Um, but, you, but artichoke. Let me let me ask you this though, because this is interesting conversation. When you have the spinach artichoke dip, I mean you've got the spinach aspect of it so do you get like you know one arm become Popeye super strong? you know like half 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 the body becomes super strong and, and if so, Paul, do you get to choose which part gets that extra boost? No, mm-hmm. I, I believe that to get the the Popeye super
2: strength, you have to poke a hole in a can of spinach and kind of drain it out. Just sort of like hitting a beer bong. Um, it's like a, it's like a spinach bong out of the can
1: of spinach. Oh, like a like shotgunning one. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you.
2: So remember
0: a lot of times he squeezed it and it shot in the air. That's right.
2: That's right. That, yeah, I forgot about that, but that means he would already kind of loaded up because I don't know if you've ever squeezed a can and made it
1: shoot in the air, but I've never been able to do that. I mean, in my (laughs) younger days, right, right there with tearing the phone books in half. Um, (laughs) so I've never a spinach fan, uh, in, in more recent years, you know, I can do like the baby spinach on a, On a, you know, Subway sub, which I know, don't, don't get started on Subway, uh, or even a pizza. I've had, you know, baby spinach on pizza or, or in salads. But I remember growing up, uh, my parents would do like the frozen spinach that they would, would warm up, you know, like, like cook or, you know, reheat or whatever, and then hit it with like a, I think it was a red wine vinaigrette. And let me tell you, the few times that they made me try to eat that did not end well for old Greg. Uh, I was not a fan. I think that's why I went 20 years without trying spinach again. <laughs> We're sharing this, stuff here tonight. Yeah? So
0: really, this this started this whole spinach thing started because he brought it up, and you have bad childhood memories of spinach.
1: Well, I mean, of cooked spinach, I, I, I'm fine with the raw spinach now. You've made such huge strides. I, y- you know what? It, and I also eat asparagus. John, which was not even really in my in my home as a child, uh but my wife will tell you the the spinach or not spinach, the asparagus that I eat, it's uh wrapped in bacon and cooked on the grill. Bacon wrapped asparagus. Have you tried it?
0: Very good. No. Not for many years.
2: You should. I'm pretty sure you could you could wrap a spool of thread in bacon, put it on the grill and it would be good.
1: (laughs) So I will try that this summer when it's grilling season. You you can come down here. It's always grilling season down here. I mean, you know, I, I, to to that end, yeah. I mean, I, I stood out there and grilled some ribeyes on New Year's Day. So, you know, I'm not afraid of a little cold or a little inclement weather uh, for my grilling purposes. Hey, let's talk <laughs> some, some ball, shall we? That's why we're here. Sure. Okay. What kind of ball? Well, I mean, you know, there's the – never mind. Uh, we're going to talk some football. Particularly, oh, okay. I don't know if if you guys uh, heard this over the course of the last six or so months, but this was the 150th season of college football. Did you know that? Did Did you hear that anywhere?
2: I I, I think ESPN might have mentioned something about
1: it. I do think it's odd uh, that every ten minutes or so, <laughs> right? Uh, of course, the the you know at, at least credited with the uh, uh, first college football game was Rutgers versus Yale. It would have been something special to have those two teams play each other again, you know, 150 years later, maybe, you know, in the 200th anniversary or something. I don't know. I'm sure by then we'll have kicked Rutgers out of the big 10 or perhaps more likely invited Yale to join the big 10. Um, but uh, so, so under the radar was this anniversary, or maybe so bad as Rutgers of football that they didn't even schedule a game for the exact anniversary—the 150th anniversary—that date of uh, of that first game. Uh, but ESPN recently, maybe not that recently, within the last few weeks or so, put out a list of the 150 greatest players in college football history. Uh, you know, at least in the last 150 years. Does it surprise any of you guys that there were six Huskers on that list? John?
0: I don't think it's surprising that there's six Huskers on that list. I mean, we are one of the you know, all-time winningest programs over the course of those 150 years. So, yeah, there probably could have been more.
1: I was going to say – And I think
0: they just released – what they released was the top 26 through 150. And then they're going to release the other top 25 – uh, you know they have to stretch this out, which of is course. why we have a title game on the thirteenth because they have to market it. You know, get as much out of it as they can. But surprised that they're six? No, I, not I, at all.
1: I guess the follow up then for you, Paul, is: Are you surprised that there are only six Huskers? I mean, yeah, as as John said, you know, Nebraska is one of the, you know, winningest. You know, one of maybe three four five something like that uh programs with over 800 uh wins are I know that there've been a lot of obviously great football players throughout the year. I mean, at least since they, you know, uh created the Heisman Trophy, there've been ex, you know, that that many different Heisman Trophy winners. Um but are you surprised that there are only six Huskers on the list, Paul? No, not really.
2: Um I mean, if if they were evenly distributed, um across all teams, I mean, what would that be? 150 divided – it would be about five per team. Um, And I think that there's probably half of the nation that doesn't have a single player on it. So I don't know. Um, I mean, all of the players for Nebraska that made it on there are from that um, 19 – like, well, during our national – or the Tom Osborne era, essentially – End of Bob Devaney to Tom Osborne. So, I mean, we got 150 years to play with, and our, all of our players came out of 25 years. So,
0: there's no Bob Brown. That's that's the one name. I guess I looked at this list and went, "What the hell? There's no Bob Brown on here." Yeah, who's that? <laughs> Bob Brown was a lineman that played. Uh, I know who Bob I think Brown, back Brown was. The- okay. <laughs> people know most people probably don't he was uh he was the boomer yeah he played from 19 he was at nebraska what 1961 1962 somewhere in there and then he was a pro and i when you look at this list i think that uh they put people up there was a lot of nfl influence on this you know I what i mean i, I,
2: I mean, think yeah. there was too which, L- like i'm looking at here um at the very top here <sighs> Um, Bubba Smith, I mean, Bubba Smith had an amazing pro career, but I'm,
0: yeah, he
2: was he was not. I, I mean, I I think he was an All American one year, um, which is which is great. I mean, obviously he's clearly a, a standout, but is he really the 31st best college player of all time? Is he is he was he a better defenseman than than? Than sue no i at least in college no i don't think so no um and i'm sure there are I, i'm sure there are better defensive linemen um on other teams that were better than bubba smith so i think yeah I, I agree john elway i mean good career at stanford but not 33rd best of college all time so yeah i think there really was a there was some um weight given to post um post-college success
0: but you got at 39 you've got johnny rogers at 48 david remington 63 and dominican 68 mike rozier 97 is tommy frazier and at 112 is rich glover uh 97th for tommy Fraser. what <laughs> ass made this list oh i'm sorry it was a it's a group of standouts a blue ribbon panel came up with this and apparently they didn't like tommy frazier because i mean what what he won two national titles he was played in three national title games he was the mvp of two or three, three of them
2: three of, them. Three he of was them the mvp of the orange bowl
0: that, that's a you don't really get much better than that at
2: college and we lost yeah, <laughs> to be the MVP and lose is is kind
1: of a is sort of unique.
0: Can I? Uh, you stick him at ninety seven. What the hell?
1: Uh, can I? Can I nitpick on this list a little bit again? Uh, this is maybe it'll show up. You know, when when they release the the top twenty five, but twenty six through one fifty, and I'm dismayed, perhaps, that Joe Montana isn't in there. Do you think that that's that he's one of the top 25
0: well given his bro career yes <laughs>
1: well yeah um you know what i mean but you but you you wouldn't i mean based on those metrics you wouldn't be able to and, and i say metrics and i'm talking to the, the the stat man paul uh dalen but you wouldn't be able to put tom brady on that list because he was a backup no, I, I mean, mean you, you know no. so, tom, so tom, tom brady barely started um
2: uh Tom Brady had a mediocre career at at Michigan. Well, not mediocre. It was he had a, it was a decent player at Michigan. But there is no way that anybody looked at him when he was drafted in what the 6th se- or 7th round and said this guy's going to go on and be the winningest Super Bowl um or probably the winningest quarterback period of all time. Um no. No,
1: well, who Tom cheats? Brady is
2: not on this list. And if Tom Brady is on this list, then we need to just move on to a different topic because this is just complete total bullshit. <laughs> if he if he is in the top twenty five. Yeah, you they, know the, him, the, they really <clears throat> go
0: ahead.
2: Was Rich Glover on this? Okay, Rich Glover is at one twelve. The other yeah. guy that um that I'm 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 pretty sure we're not going to see because um we're at. The top twenty-five, and that's kind of—it's pretty elite. Is Dean Stein cooler? I'm, I'm kind of surprised that that, that yeah, he didn't they're... make it make it on there either. Um, actually, and and honestly, between um in the '80s and '90s, I mean, there's Zach Zach Wiegert and Aaron Taylor, uh, Will Shields.
1: We had Grant Wistrom.
2: Grant. Well, I'm talking just in the offensive line, oh, but God. yeah, on the defensive line, Trav Alberts, um, Grant Wistrom, Jason Peter were all. All players that that would have started four years at, um, you know, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State level players right now. Um, some of the, this guy has just dominated the sport. Um, in ways that it, it, it's hard to it's hard to remember anymore. Um,
0: there was a there was a list they did earlier about like the best offensive group. And on that list, they chose Chuck Bednarik over Dave Remington at the center position. And I kind of looked at that and went, okay, you know, again, Chuck Bednarik, the the awards for what? The best player in college football. They all say that, whatever. Again, he had a good pro career. But over Dave Remington, hey, Dave Remington was the Big Eight Offensive Player of the Year one year as a center that's freakish <laughs>
2: um, uh, yeah um
0: and i I'm, I'm sure that people look at this and they you know probably lists like this convince us that e s p n hates our team, and uh, I don't know going through this list i i you know it's in. <laughs> well, i wonder really if e s p n hates my team.
2: Uh, ESPN definitely hates your team.
0: We know Kirk Kurt Street
2: um, does. Uh yeah, every but. Kirk Kurt Street, ESPN, uh Bill Callahan or not Bill Callahan, Bill Connolly, definitely ev- all of them hate your team. Doesn't matter what your team is, but they hate your team. I mean I knew yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um the uh I was saying earlier, um I'm, I'm not sure I buy the where Mike Rozier being the 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 highest. Um, actually, he's not. John Johnny Rogers. Rogers is. Okay. I don't think there's going to be any more Husker players in the top twenty-five. Wow. Um,
0: who who would you pick in the top? Who would you pick as number one in one hundred and fifty years?
2: Um, gonna- Red Grange, probably Barry Sanders, Herschel Walker. One of those three is going to be number one. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Barry Sanders.
2: I, no, you, I'd say Red Granger, Herschel Walker.
1: Um, you, you don't think? I mean, th- this is you know, while we're talking about it, you don't think it's going to be someone from a more, I guess, modern era? You know, like maybe somebody, oh, somebody okay, who you, you know lit the record books on fire in the last, you know. Oh, you
2: need to back up the truck right now. Barry Sanders is the same age as me. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, Greg, what are you doing? The more you were, modern era. You college the same years, so you need to just stop
1: right now. More modern era, you know what I mean. I mean with the within the someone maybe who came along in the last twenty years and, and lit the record book on fire.
2: Have you ever watched Barry Sanders? Yes. Hey.
1: I I and
2: I I swear it. it, it, it He's got some kind of Star Trek like anti gravity thing going because he can move literally vertically and horizontally as fast as he can move, um, or he can move uh, vertically and laterally as fast as he moves.
1: Um, uh, I get no, I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> um, I, I had uh, you know I'm a it's no secret on the Five Heart Podcast Greg's a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And and I came of age as a Steelers fan in the 90s when, while they were competitive, you know, it wasn't like the 80s. While they were competitive, they weren't, you know, winning, uh, you know, uh, championships. They weren't winning the uh, Super Bowls. But um, I had a, a buddy of mine, my best friend, his dad made the observation one time, you know, because Jerome Bettis is my favorite NFL player. And he said, yeah, you know... He said, uh, Barry Sanders runs pretty, Bettis runs ugly. You know, and that, for whatever reason, 25 years later, that that little, you know, phrase has has stayed with me. So, yeah, I'm I'm well aware of what Barry Sanders could do. And, you know, now that he's, you know, a geriatric, uh, he's not doing that anymore, Paul.
2: Well, I think he just got tired of getting creamed. Um, um he put uh, up he put him uh, amazing pro stats I know given I was... the given the uh pro support that he had um
1: yeah well, if and... he would have been with anybody besides Detroit, he would have won a couple of championships,
2: yeah, probably, but I was also uh, well, making I don't a, know. it depends. I was making an um, age
1: joke at your expense too sorry that it missed
2: yeah um the other uh um, oh God, now I'm having a Barry Sanders senior moment here, yes um. <laughs> Um Bo Jackson, I think, might be um in the top twenty five. I think so. Um watching him play. Um he was he and Herschel Walker and, and um Lawrence Phillips are three of these giant men around boys ring backs that they just seem to, I don't know, giant, giant football players seem to just wilt off of them. Um, and yeah. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. I, I, I do think that, um, there's two other Huskers that I would have liked to have seen on this list. Um, Lawrence Phillips, Amon Green, and um, uh, I think both merit um, their their accomplishments on the field uh, merit um, being on In the fashion? list. Yeah, huh.
1: it it's How- tough for me to wrap my around. Ra- you think that uh, you know maybe all levels of college football, and I'm sure it's you know probably. Counting considering all levels, not just you know D one is as we know it, or or FBS as you know we consider it today, but all levels of college football is, is my guess, you know, the the players that they are uh you know taking this list from. And it says here at the top of the ESPN.com article that uh, National Football Foundation estimates that five point three three million players. Have played college football in 150 years, so that's. I mean, I that that right there was kind of tough for me to wrap my brain around.
0: That's a lot of people.
1: Is that at all? Is that at all levels? That's that's what I'm thinking. Um, it just says college football. It doesn't say you know like you know power. Not, not obviously not Power Five, but you know like D1. I mean, but you know, it could be Division two, Division three, and I wonder. I, I'm gonna make a little Nebraska connection here because this is a young man that I had the privilege to watch play football when I was uh, covering sports out in Shadron. And that's Danny Woodhead, uh, you know, who played at Shadron state. And I'm not saying he'd be on the list, but you know, he was a two time Harlan Hill trophy winner, which was the division two version of the Heisman. And so I wonder if like a Harlan Hill would make the list anywhere. I didn't search. I mean,
2: you know, I I don't know. I, don't I know think guys. there's going to be some. It's not entirely unsupported to to think that for lower levels of football that if the same player were playing against Danny Woodhead is a really good example. Could Danny Woodhead Woodhead have played maybe even started at Nebraska? Sure. Would he have had like what? like ten, twelve thousand 12,000 yards. I think um 13,000 yards in his career. Um no. No, he, he wouldn't. He I think he would have been a, a a slightly better than average running back um at at the FBS level. Um just because he, he was he was an FBS caliber player playing against much much smaller right um right. athletes which which really really inflated his performance
1: and I, 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 don't, I don't i don't i don't disagree um there was something about watching him you know because there's a picture that i have of, of he and i after one of the games uh and it was my last weekend in nebraska before i moved to uh southeast missouri and you know i'm darn near you know a uh, uh a whole, you know, head taller than him. I think one of his, you know, besides the speed, one of his, you know, greater assets was his height or, you know, in this case lack of because he just shrunk down behind some of those big linemen and, uh, you know, I always used to joke, you couldn't see him, you know, so he was able to, you know, score it out to the side or something like that unseen. I mean, he had games where some of his, you know, three of his first five, Touches were for, you know, touchdowns of 40 yards or more, you know, I mean, he just had that kind of ability that, you know, like you said, Paul, that doesn't play necessarily in, you know, the big 12 at the time where you're going against Texas or Oklahoma or you you could probably do that against Kansas or Iowa State, but, you know, maybe not against, you know, Texas Tech or Oklahoma State at the time. So I, I agree with what you're saying. Had had he had he been at Nebraska, he might not have been the breakout player that he ended up being and, and might not have had the opportunity to play at the NFL like he did. So
2: Well, that's true. And he's had a good NFL he had. He had a good NFL career. So he Is was he done? Yes. I think so. Yeah, he retired he, a couple years ago. Um I it he clearly was an FBS level player that for whatever reason I Tiki, did he play six man or eight no, man uh, football? Yeah,
1: he was he was at North Platte, so he was eleven man.
2: Okay. Um, well, North Platte's a long way from anywhere to get any kind of attention before things like um, I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to be close to home. Well, that, uh, kind of surprised. I, no,
0: I, no, I, know. no I, I interviewed him in two thousand six.
1: Did he? And he now. would have rather gone to Nebraska.
0: He said that basically nobody contacted him.
1: That would have been well, the Callahan talks. era, I think. So,
2: yeah, that's true. Um, it's also pre pre huddle, pre you know, high school students have essentially having agents and stuff
1: like that. So. <laughs> right? Yeah. Pre social media.
0: Here was the exact question I asked him. So nobody in Nebraska ever tried to recruit you. His answer is no, not really. I think I got maybe one phone call. I guess they weren't interested. Huh. And uh, he t- he said that he picked Shattern State because they wanted him.
1: Well, his parents both went to uh, Shattern State, and his older brother was at CSE as well. So, hmm. Yeah, his, his uh, older brother, Ben, was either a year or two older than Danny. And uh, actually, after... Uh, finished up at Shattner State. I probably know more more than I need to. Oh, uh, went uh, to uh, the University of Nebraska Medical Center. I believe became a doctor. Uh, but was a uh, you know the prototypical uh, slot you know short, undersized slot receiver. Uh, you know the the Wes Welker, Danny Amendola type, uh, Jordan Westerkamp type, um, and you know good hands, good feet, uh, good you know up go good vertical uh, you know ability. So. There you go. There's your 2006, 2000, well, 2004, 2005 Shatterham State uh, scouting report of the Woodhead <laughs> brothers, courtesy of Greg Mahochko. Uh Gentlemen, let's take a timeout. I think when we come back, we'll put the uh, uh, 26 through 150 top players in college football history behind us, talk a little bit more current news when the 5-Hour Podcast returns here on Coronation Radio. Welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast. Greg Mahachko, John Dam Johnston, Paul Dalen, all here with you for another exciting episode. And we're going to talk, we, we talked about, uh, you, you know, numbers 26 through 150 of ESPN's list of the 150 greatest players. And we'll, we'll talk more about that after 1 through 25 is announced and, and break that down. And coming up in future episodes of the Five Heart Podcast, we're going to, uh, Give you our top five favorite Husker players. Uh, so it's, it's purely on emotion, probably on some statistic, uh, or, you know, if, if, like, trust me, if Paul is involved, there's definitely some statistical analysis involved. Um, but it's not, you know, gonna be anything too scientific. It's, you know, when you think of your favorite Husker players, for example, one of my uh, good friends, I call him Papa John. Don't ask me why. Uh, the Husker who got him to be a Husker fan was I Am Hip. And he said, Man, that's a cool name. I'm going to be a Husker fan. He's, <laughs> he, he's a generation above me. You know, he, he's more John's age. Uh, but, uh, um, John, and John different John. Well, I don't know exactly how old he is. I mean, he's old enough to be retired. I am? No, uh, Papa John. Oh, okay. But he worked in a factory. I don't know if it's, you know, it might be different depending on your line. You guys are older, older than me. Is it? Does retirement age differ on the the industry that you're in?
2: No, it, yes. it, no it 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 varies depending on whether you can make enough. You have enough money <laughs> is what it is what it depends on. Um, Noted. So what you're saying yeah. is well, win the I, lottery. I'd
0: say that uh, IT people get shown the door at about fifty-five or sixty.
2: Yeah, There's whether they want to be or not. There's some ageism at at, at work here.
1: Well, yeah. so. and and I mean that's it, John. Let me ask you this specifically: Is that do you think that that is because they feel they being our corporate overlords uh, that? after a certain age, you are no longer capable of keeping up with the changing technology?
0: I think that's how it's sold. Okay. The honest to God truth is IT people, many, many of them work horrendously shitty hours. And when you're young, you're willing to do that. And when you start getting older, you're like, fuck this shit. I am, it's not worth me to work 60 hours and stay half the night at a company anymore because you guys, you know, treat me like crap. That's not the case for me personally, but I have seen, you know, I'm a consultant, IT consultant now for 30 years, and I've seen that played out over and over. It's just your willingness to have the company beat you to death. After a while, you just say, I don't want to do this anymore.
1: Well, you know, gave her uh you know crap at the uh, onset of the show or at the outset I should say uh, you know when I was joking about my mom and dad, but my mom uh was a registered nurse you know from the time I was born, and you know she worked night shift in in the i c u and for the chunk of my formative years worked in the operating room and then you know was was an educator and it's like as she went on in her career like she actually became an i t you know, consult, I don't know if consultant is the right word, but you know, it, 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 along the hospital system, you know, she you know, would be sitting at home. At, you know, I was out of the house, but you know, she'd be, you know, they'd call her up and say, Hey, you know, we need help with this. And so she'd fire up the laptop and, you know, fix it. So it was weird that, you know, as she, she went from a more hands on clinical uh, you know, uh, career to, to it is, is she went on now. Now she's, you know, retired, my dad's retired, but you know, there, it, there's, I think it, it, you know, to the point, it doesn't matter your age. It, it, what matters is your aptitude. And if you can do the job, then, you know, you can do it as long as you want to. Right, John? Yes. Yeah. Paul, are you on the same page?
2: Um, I, I think it should be that way, but I think there's other, I think there's other variables of consideration. Um, uh, guys like me and John tend to, tend to command much higher salaries, um, which some companies just don't want to pay, uh, simply based on years of experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and if, if you're given the opportunity to, to replace you with someone fresh out of college and as willing as John says to, you know, to work like i don't i don't know i can't say work like a dog because my dog's lazy <laughs> but um is willing to put up with a with a lot of crap that that i'm neither willing nor capable of putting up with right now um so yeah it it it's something to be thinking about that and my so that we're getting kind of off topic here but my my advice to someone entering their 40s is to think very seriously about where they're working and where they're going to be working when they cross over 50 um because once you once I think once you get to 50 there's a you need to be careful um if you're at the wrong place somebody's going to find a reason to discriminate you against you uh based on age and it helps to be at a place where that just doesn't happen as much
1: well, I know I've oh. been I've been discriminated against. They said I was too pretty, kicked me out of radio. <laughs> it's horrible. Can we talk about Can we talk about the Huskers again? No, we're going <laughs> to talk about the madness that's in Mississippi. Oh, oh, is it next week we're going to talk about Huskers? See, uh, are you, you talking about our Are you talking about our top five Huskers?
2: Yeah, yeah. You kind of got you kind of got garbled on me. You went like you got that. Uh, that electronic garble there for a minute. I, I
1: teased our top five favorite Huskers on a future episode. Oh and hey. Because that you know, that, good. that's something that requires just a little bit of, of uh, thought and, and research. I don't have you know the what? Are you imply <laughs> we're supposed to we're supposed to think about what we're gonna say <laughs> before we get on this show? It is going to be the one time in my history of the Five Heart podcast, where I'm actually going to put in a little thought. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about the madness that Mississippi College football. Right you just disappeared. Why don't you uh, plug your microphone back in?
2: <laughs> Am I still here? You're back. <laughs> hey, I'm back. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I muted myself for okay. some reason. <laughs> Let's talk about the madness that is Mississippi college football. First of all, let's talk about the madness that is that fucking state, and then we can talk about how it naturally flows into their college
1: football. Is Mississippi – this is a serious question that you probably don't have the answer to, but is Mississippi still uh, classified as like the most obese state in the nation?
2: Mississippi is the council bluffs of the United States. (laughs) Wow. Wow. They're like, they're like, that number, is a shot across like the bow. 50. They're like number 50 in everything that should, should like define a modern functioning democratic state. By state, I mean country. I mean, they are literally number 50 by, in every metric. So, of course, they went off and <laughs> did what they did. So.
1: I'm just gonna pull up random Mississippi facts that that as we as we continue to talk about the madness in Mississippi, I just wanna drop in you know little tidbits of knowledge from time to time. So continue. What was the first I bit of the
0: the one thing that shocks me about Mississippi is they are number fifty in a lot of those categories and they don't care. You know what I mean? They just they seem like I've been there twice. They just don't seem to give a shit that their education system is, for example, terrible.
2: Well, Mississippi works for a small percentage of the population. Um, if you happen to be from a upper middle class or wealthy white Protestant Background in Mississippi, you are probably particularly if you've been there for generations, you are plugged in to whatever the this nervous the nervous system of the of of the state, which gives you access to their um, you know career advancement access to fraternities and sororities and the networking that it happens there. And then, and you know, and if you go to law school at, at Ole Miss, which isn't a bad law school, by the way, regional school, um, you can almost count on getting fairly good job. So there's a small portion of people that maintain power in Mississippi. And let's admit that this happens across the entire South. um, That they, you're right, they don't care that for 85, 90% of the state, these things aren't working because it's working for them.
1: Well, let's talk about Um, some of the good that's come out of Mississippi, shall we? Like Katrina? Like root root beer. (laughs) Root beer was invented in Biloxi in 1898 by Edward Adolph Bark Sr. Of the Biloxi Artesian Bottle Works, the Barks Root Beer Company, of course now owned by Coca-Cola, based in Atlanta, but Root Beer got its start in Biloxi, and I don't think that should be overlooked. Paul. How? <laughs> <Pal. laughs>
2: I'm I, I'm not a big fan of the anti South. So. <laughs> um, what about
0: Lead Belly? What's that? But, but Billy was a blues singer back like in the turn of the, the – well, the turn of the last century. I'm glad you mentioned that because blues – And he, is, blues, uh, he, he literally – I don't know. He probably established music for the next hundred years. For I mean rock music.
1: Well, blues you know, music Because was, it was blues, – Blues didn't blues music mean that was, it didn't
0: later transform everything no. that happened after him.
1: No, but blues music was born in the Mississippi Delta. The northwest section of the state between the Mississippi and Yazoo rivers. Um, uh, Lead Belly is from Mississippi, as is BB King, Howlin' Wolf, John Lee Hooker, Mississippi John Hurt. I mean, that one makes sense. And Little Freddie King. Those are just to name a few. So you're Yeah, up- Paul! <laughs>
2: <laughs> I want to tell you guys a story, so, so listen up. Oh, my God. Eggs. Wait, wait, wait. So two and wait. A half, is it a story about a man named
1: Jed? What is it? A, a little story about a man named Jed?
2: No. Damn. Um. About two and a half decades ago, I was a uh, young, slim, good-looking second lieutenant, and I was sent to school to attend a, a school um, at Keesler Air Force Base, and which I did, and went there and and did the things that second lieutenants do, which involved a lot of drinking and and. Not much else. Um, but one of the things we did was my classmates, we had, I don't know, a, a Monday or a Friday off or something like that. We decided as a group that we were going to go to Miss, we were going to, this was like a January, February, like right before Mardi Gras time. So we decided we were going to road trip it to New Orleans, which is about four hours, but had to cross a good portion of sort of the, you know, kind of the, the really backwoods, you know, back roads deep south area. Um this was the this was the nineties, okay. And uh we stopped at a roadside cafe and um got out um <laughs> um went in um, just to get something to eat before we went on to New Orleans and enjoyed some beignets and lots of beer. Anyway, um, they on the menu was boiled peanuts, among other things, and broiled peanuts and others, other de- peanut delicacies. Gives you an idea of where we were. And, and the woman that came up to take the order looked at me and she said, in this... Mississippi, you know, almost Delta-ish. I can't even do the accent, so I'm not going to try. But she called me honey, <laughs> and and she said, what "Hey you there, have? honey." I said, and I I said, "Well, I just have a question." I said, "What's the difference between boiled peanuts and broiled peanuts?" And she said, she said, "That one ain't got nar in it." So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you asked the question, didn't you? <laughs> I did, I did. So there you go.
1: That uh, was,
2: my exp- this was, this was my experience. That was my experience south of Hattiesburg. So
1: anyway, well, so we knew <laughs> earlier, uh, you know, in the off season, you know, at least the uh, post regular season, that Mississippi Ole Miss made a, a coaching change. And brought in one of the more entertaining, or would you say perhaps, I don't know if inflammatory is the right word, controversial, probably is a good fit, uh, head coaches in Lane Kiffin. And earlier today, January the 9th, year of our Lord 2020, it was announced that the other game in town, Mississippi State, brought in an equally entertaining head coach by the name of Michael Montgomery Leach.
2: There is nothing entertaining about, um, uh, what's his face? Lane Kiffin? Lane Kiffin, thank you. I can't even bring myself to say the words. Um, he it, it, it is, it, it, in so many ways, he is the, just the opposite of, of Mike Leach, who I really, really like, by the way. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure I would want him to coach my school. Um, but, but it's hard to argue with what he's done at the places he's gone. Um, Lane Kiffin, on the other hand, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't see a record of success and I do see a record of him just being a general asshole everywhere he goes. Um, and kind of sort of this mercenary sticks around for a year or two, and then he's off to somewhere else um, and letting other people pick up the pieces. So well, let's talk a
1: little bit. When did Kiffin enjoy his most success? It would have had to have been on, on Nick Saban's staff at Alabama. Certainly. Um, you know, he did change the Alabama offense. Yeah.
2: Um, I, I, I Lane Kiffin strikes me as as one of those guys who the 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 Peter Principle says that they they rise, what they get promoted one level beyond their ability. Well, he's a really good offensive coordinator, um, and that's probably his specialty. But unfortunately, we keep promoting him beyond that, and he's just I don't know, he's just mercenary is the only word i can think of because he never stays anywhere for more than you know more than a two years
1: well he was he he was run out of knoxville (laughs) Yeah, he was
2: he didn't coach a single game or did he coach a full season at in at at tennessee
1: well i thought he coached yeah yeah i thought he coached the season Am am i wrong on that john
0: Oh, let's look it up. Tennessee I, Volunteers. I got Remarks and, and accusations. I got
2: it. <laughs> I'm on it. In the, in the meantime. Um,
1: m- yeah, he was the head coach he w- uh, from 08 to 09, yeah.
0: And then he went to USC. I don't know. You know, you could take a different perspective on this and say maybe he's smarter than the rest of them. Because you got you got uh, Willie Taggart getting fired within two seasons at Florida State. You got uh, the guy that was fired at Arkansas within two seasons. I think maybe you know the Mike Leach has this figured out as well as anybody, and perhaps Lane Kiffin too. That they're going to fire your ass anyway, so why don't you just keep moving around and taking different jobs? It's like you get a signing bonus or something, isn't it?
2: I don't think I don't think that's I don't think that's true. Willie Taggart is has a reputation of being a complete asshole too. Um, there there is really something to be said for you know banking goodwill and and that you know that can buy you an extra year or two. Um, uh, but if everybody hates you, one I, one one bad year is probably enough to 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 ditch your ass.
1: So um, I would. I would. I want to stick, you know, just a few more points in uh, in um, Lane Kiffin. He has never, I mean, he has a 61 and 34 record as a head coach um, it, at college. Uh, he did spend uh, just over a season uh, in the NFL uh, with Oakland, which you can imagine in 07 and 08 how that would have gone over. Um that was actually his first head coaching job. Like he was an offensive coordinator at USC and then they plucked him, you know, away from the uh, Pete Carroll years and uh and and he spent a little time in Oakland. He was at Tennessee for a season, he was at USC for a few. Then he was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for 3 seasons at Alabama, spent 3 seasons in Florida Atlantic. He doesn't have a track record of success. And that's the thing that's mind-boggling. I mean, I don't care what you say. Florida Atlantic's not a major player in college football. Um, so I, I just I don't get it.
2: Well, it's not like anybody looks at Ole Miss or Mississippi State and says, that is the destination job that I want.
0: <laughs> well, Mike Leach always said he, wanted to, he could win in the SEC, and this is his chance.
2: Well, it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, he picked the. I don't know which is historically whether Miss, whether Mississippi State is worse than Ole Miss. Neither of them are very good. Um, at least not for say the last thirty years or so. Um, if he can, if 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 Leach can consistently win six or seven games in the SEC West, then yeah, Coach of the Year. Actually, if he wins, if he wins seven games next year, make the man coach of the year. Um, I I, I don't see it happening. Um.
0: Well, one of them is going to be in the egg bowl against Lane Kevin, and that's fantastic.
2: The, the lift your lift your leg bowl. Um, <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> I think it's like one state is cornered crazy.
2: <laughs> um. Well, no, that's 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 Florida. Um, well, I mean, in terms of college football coaching, I think what the, I think what they had – It's funny. Um, Lane Kiffin did. Was it was it after he left that that Tennessee went through that the 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 coaching search that made our post Solich coaching search look like it was gracefully executed. Um, or was that that happened? was later. That was later. Oh, okay. are you talking
0: about when Tennessee tried to hire Greg Schiano and their whole fan base went insane?
2: Yeah. And then, <laughs> um, and yeah, that was yeah. just a
0: couple of years ago.
2: And Florida state had a similar experience. Um, I, okay. So forget that point. That didn't make any sense. Um, I, you know what? It, it, football's weird. One of those te- one of those guys might win nine games next year. Probably not. <laughs> if it is, it'll probably be Lane Kiffin. Um they've got more in the tank. And and the one thing Ole Miss does routinely, with no with no business doing this, is that they do routinely beat Alabama. So God has a sense of humor, I guess, because there's no reason that Mississippi should have the record it does against Alabama. Um uh
0: You do realize Lane Kiffin is
2: one of us. No. His dad is. Lane Kiffin's an asshole.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You just really can't stand him.
2: I can't stand that motherfucker. I'm sorry. (laughs) Seriously. Salty. He was
0: born
1: in
2: Lincoln. He is the... Yeah. Yeah. um, That doesn't
1: make him a Husker, John.
2: I think that
0: Lane Kiffin is the kind of guy that I would love to go spend a night in a bar with, but not necessarily have coach my football team. Well,
2: have you ever seen – what makes you think that Lane Kiffin would be fun? Has he ever because, said anything because
0: interesting?
2: Yeah, because, no.
0: yes, he, he, he can make fun of himself.
2: Uh, I don't know. Maybe I haven't heard that the way you have, but
0: – Well, I mean publicly he can – You know, look up Joey Freshwater. Do you know what that is? No. Supposedly a name that Br- Lane oh, Kiffin would alias. register under at hotels so that nobody would know he was there. So you can Google Joey Freshwater and look that up.
1: Well, um, he, according to this report – the, a... the,
0: the idea that Lane Kiffin is going to be there to not only tag tangle with Mike Leach in a big rivalry game for them, but he's going to be there all season long to poke fun at Nick Saban. I don't care if they're successful at football. This is going to be great to watch.
2: Well, we'll see. Um,
0: and all because some kid lifted his leg to pee.
1: Let's, yeah, let's. I mean, I don't, I don't know if we need to dwell on it. If anybody's not uh, familiar, it, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but it was the same kid two years in a row who, after you know, scoring a touchdown in the egg bowl. Like, you know, got down on all fours uh, in the end zone and lifted a leg like he's a dog marking his territory.
0: I don't know if it was him two years in a row, but I know that somebody else on his team did it previously, and they were flagged for it. Gotcha. So the idea that he would do that and get flagged for it, I mean, he had to – maybe he just got caught up in the spur of the moment. But but because of that action, all of this other stuff happened. You know, coaches got fired, coaches got hired. College football is insane. And it always amazes me these people that want to try to take the insanity that is college football and make it into some kind of logical structure. Like let's expand the playoff to eight or sixteen teams so it makes sense. No, it will never make sense.
1: So that's just it. In in the twenty nineteen version of the leg bowl, it was uh old Mrs. Elijah Moore who did the dog right. ping celebration. Um, but I know it happened you know, last year as well. Um, I'm just looking to find... Uh, it was a repeat of the same celebration receiver D.K. Metcalf used for Ole Miss after scoring a touchdown in the 2017 Egg Bowl. So two right. years apart, but still.
2: Well, the difference between 2017 and um, this year... Was that Ole Miss had like a two touchdown lead, I think, and so so getting in an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty and maybe missing the t- t- turning the chip shot into a, a, a legit actually have to pay attention to what you're doing kick. Um, it, it it may or may not matter, um, but it sure mattered uh, in this game because it it. Uh, I, th- I think it gave Old, old Miss um, bowl eligibility, right? This was this this put them, uh, uh, unsurprisingly at bowl, um, being able to, or six wins is what I'm trying to say, and I can't. Mississippi
0: State was bowl eligible because of it. Yeah. Then they went to the bowl. Then they fired their coach. Works for me. Oh, so, okay have we beaten Mississippi to death
1: <laughs> Yeah, uh, let's talk real quick about uh, a couple of other shifts uh, around the college football landscape as uh, some individuals go from college to the pros uh, in the big 12 you have Baylor's Matt Rule who's going to the uh, I hope I pronounced that right going to the Carolina Panthers and in, in your home state John Minnesota Golden Gophers Antoine Winfield has foregone his senior year and declared for the NFL draft. Now I know that's going to break the heart of Rotten Sun, but after the type of junior season that Winfield had for uh, the Gophers, that was kind of a no-brainer, was it not?
0: Oh, you could always stay another year, but I think the key is—is is, uh, yeah, he should have gone. I mean, he's probably going to be a fantastic NFL player, barring injuries or things like that. I think the other thing is, is that he is, he's not the entire Minnesota defense, but he was a guy who certainly made their defense a hell of a lot better than it would be without him. So that is kind of news for Nebraska to watch him go away. Um, We also had, did we talk, was it last week we talked about Javon DeWitt? No, because that, that actually –
1: uh, I don't think that happened yet. I think that news just broke earlier this year – or earlier this week, I mean.
0: Yep. So our outside linebacker coach and special teams coach goes to coach with Mac Brown at North Carolina.
1: So let's – No discuss. comments? Well, is there – go ahead. I was going to say – uh, that's probably not bad for all parties. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, no, nothing against the guy. I know he, you know, battled and I believe beat cancer. If I, if, you know, I, yeah. I, th- I think yep. I he saw on his Twitter just today that, you know, went back to the doctor and he said, it's, it can always be nerve wracking because you never know what you, you're going to expect. Uh, but appears that all of his tumors are gone, which is fantastic news for him. Um, that being said, I mean, with the the health challenges, and, and I think there was some speculation that the climate in in Lincoln, you know, didn't always necessarily you know play favorably with with the uh, you know his his illness or his cancer, um, and it hindered his you know ability to possibly get out there and recruit. I mean. Look, at the end of the day, he he moved on. It, Scott Frost didn't have to fire anyone from his staff. I um, mean, so he's able to kind of save face and, and you know let let a let a coach go on to uh to greener pastures. It, it's all right.
0: Yeah, I think you just have to expect turnover in coaching staffs. This idea that we even if we get a really good coach that he's going to be there for 20 years because that's what they did under Tom Osborne. Those days are gone. You know, I already brought it up earlier that Lane Kiffin may be smarter than everybody by continuing to move around before he's fired. So I guess you go and uh, see where you fit and where you can do well, and if you want to move up the ranks.
2: Paul? Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing to, I really nothing to add to that. Um, I think that the, the linebackers were epically underperforming and, um, it, I don't, I don't think Scott was, uh, as John said, I, I think it was not a bad, bad deal for everybody. So I wish him well. Um, beating cancer is, is, is good. So
1: what is, no, they're rumors, and at this point, they're all rumors, and, and, uh, until we know anything more official, that's all they'll ever be. But, it, Mark Helfrich is a name that's been kicked around a little bit as potentially joining the, uh, uh, Nebraska staff. Of course, was head coach at Oregon, I believe, the year that Nebraska beat Oregon. Um, that you know under Mike Riley, if that's any indication to, um, you know what what he could bring to the table. But um, what what's what you guys take away on on that potential acquisition?
2: I don't think he was a very good head coach. Um, uh, he he took over at Oregon with a national championship caliber team and left it significantly degraded in capability. Um, so as a head coach, I don't think he's that great. Um, I think he had some amazing offensive coordinators and his defense was meh. Um, uh, I think one of his head – no, I don't think Frost ever um, coached for him Um or as a a, um, offensive coordinator. He was a position coach under him. Um, (laughs) I I don't know. Um, Well, here's
0: here's the thing. He was at Oregon. He's a successor to Chip Kelly. He understands every principle that Scott Frost probably understands about offense.
2: Well, that's true.
0: So if Scott Frost – I don't know how you can – I don't know you how you can be a head coach and a coordinator at the same time anymore. I really don't, especially when you have 150 players to manage, which is how many people Fr- Frost wants on his rosters. So if Frost is going to become more of a, of a manager or something, you know what I mean? Not play, call the plays and try to manage all the different stuff that's going on in the field. Uh, then maybe this guy makes sense. Earlier this season, I went to – I shot the Minnesota-Penn State game. And one thing I noticed was that James Franklin, whenever there was a timeout or a gathering of the players on the sideline, he didn't talk to the players. His other coaches were doing all the talking. He talked to his coaches. So maybe that's the kind of coach that Frost needs to be later on. I don't know if he's that kind of coach right now. You know what I mean? Seems to me he tries to handle way too much stuff, but again, that's speculation on my part. Well, I remember. So maybe this
1: guy would be a good choice. I remember it was uh, a couple episodes ago when you were talking with Jill and Beth, uh, you know, about volleyball and other things that Beth was saying something similar about John Cook and, and his staff. And that's why the John Cook coaching tree has expanded, you know, as as far as it has, you know, as all of his, you know, so many of his assistants have been uh, hired as head coaches, you know, in other programs to maybe uh, continue building a program or turn it around. Uh, But yeah, it's a a delegation of authority. And I don't know if, I don't know if Scott Frost has trying to think of the right word. I don't temperament's not it, but I don't, I don't know if he, and I don't think it's a lack of trust. I just think that, you know, if, if he's the one calling the shots, I think that he's you know if uh when it fails he can say you know that was my mistake there's nothing you know like that gets lost in translation you know what i mean
2: that I'm not sure I buy the 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 analogy with with John Cook, which by the way he he is he had, john cook is he he volleyball is so small that he can be, be involved in the decision making and maintaining visibility on the stats and knowing, getting that kind of input, but also coaching his players, interacting with his players, directing his, directing his, you know, his, his, um, assistant coaches. On, on a football field, there are orders of magnitude more information and things happening, um, and it really it honestly it always bothered me um f- with with pelini for instance um he would during a during a, a timeout or something like that he would waste time um instead of coaching he would be wasting time yelling at the refs which is which is sort of different than wasting time looking at a clipboard and strategizing with you know, with the, um, with the press box, Sure. but it's still a waste of time when what the head coach really needs to be doing is, and I don't know if it's directing his, his, his head coaches, his his assistant coaches, or talking to the players. It's probably a mixture of both is appropriate, but I don't think, I, I think it's a bad idea anymore. Like Saban doesn't do that. Saban doesn't call plays. He's not calling an offense. He's, and he's probably has some some influence on the defense, but he's 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 not he's not defensive coordinating the game. I mean, one of the things that Saban does is he's in command of the whole team, and there's no doubt about it. But being in command means trusting the people. That you have working for you, whether it's your player leaders or your assistant coaches. Um, but it, y- you can't get wrapped up in the minutiae. The commander, the CEO, whatever, the, the, the field general has to be thinking about the big picture. And it has to be talking to people rather than worrying about what the next play is going to be. And, and it, it's, I think, I think it's some arrogance. And fear on Frost's part and other coaches that decide they want to be the um, offensive coordinator. But they, they're afraid to give that up because Frost knows he's pretty good at that. Um, I don't know. He knows what he
0: wants out of his offense. He knows well, he what does. he wants out of his quarterback.
2: Um, and And if he wants to be talking to them, that's fine. But – I think there's too much to the job of an offensive coordinator to do that and be a head coach at the same time. Both of them have very specific and, and, and immense time demands and f- attention fo- foci that need to be you know attended to during a game, and I really don't think you can do both very well. And I was disappointed when I heard that, that Frost was going to be calling his own plays. Um, I don't care if he designs the offense, if he works with the offense, um but he shouldn't be calling plays. So yeah, if if Chuck Helfrich is is the um the the answer to that then then that's great. I just don't think he was that great as a head coach.
1: Do you think that causes other shuffling around uh in, in the coaching staff? Oh, A lot of do, dead air.
2: <laughs> we do have we do have an offensive coordinator. <laughs> so officially anyway. Yeah. So so that will be awkward. <laughs> <sighs> uh, like like my boss coming saying, Hey Paul, I want you uh, I'm gonna, gonna hire another lead analyst. Well, why, don't why don't you teach author? this guy everything you, had, you, had, you know? You've already got one. Yeah, teach, teach, teach this guy everything you know. Really? <laughs> uh, well, wait, wait. What? <laughs> there's, there's only room for one of us on this team. I, I, didn't say I want a, you to teach him everything you know. I
1: didn't say it was a got good it. question. It was just a question.
2: www.linkedin.com um, So... <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that, I comedian. suppose that. Yeah, in terms of shuffling, yeah, it's gonna sort of gonna sort of be a forcing function on on job uh, job shuffling there. So, but I don't know. Well, all sometimes, right. sometimes if somebody becomes the other thing is, and this is an employment thing, and I think John would agree with this, is that sometimes companies will hire someone not knowing what they're going to do with them but they just know that someone really spectacular is available and they want to get them and then after they get them they'll figure out what they're going to do with them um i don't necessarily think that that chuck helfrich is that kind of person but if frost thinks that then you know it's it's ultimately his decision and his program
1: so well gentlemen i don't think there's anything left uh any any more meat on the bone of this particular episode of the Five Heart Podcast? I think we've done a, a great job of uh, of chewing through everything. So I, I appreciate I appreciate your efforts, your contributions, your time, your talents, your stunning voices, and mine, of course. Anything else that you guys wanted to add before we put a, a button on this show, John? No. Okay, Paul. Um, no. Right no, answer.
2: I'm, I'm just trying to work my way through the long, dark tea time of the soul we call the uh, off season.
1: So. Wow. wow. And as we mentioned at the outset of the show, there's still more college football to be played. There it's is. January 9th. <laughs> we haven't had a bowl game in a week. There's still more damn college football. And quite frankly in my mind it's just hockey season let's go blues
2: okay what i'm i'm not even gonna
1: that was a very I'm... disgruntled That's... No not no, no. the
0: XFL start this year
1: yes it is and in, in fact i'm ready Ooh. i'm ready for brandon riley and the st. louis battlehawks to uh to uh, uh you know, take take uh, take ownership of, of, of this city. Uh by the yes. way, I saw that Jordan Westerkamp got uh picked up with I wanna say the DC defenders. Congratulations to Westerkamp. Um I think there are a couple more huskers out there on on some of the roster. But yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a Battlehawks game. I'll let you guys know how it is. Cool. <laughs> the XFL,
2: I don't know what they're playing, but it is in football. I don't know if you guys have looked at the rules but that's some that's some weird shit rules that they've come up with.
1: Well, so. I mean, they've here here's the thing. And and I, I go back to this um this particular story, you got to go back to 1994-95. Bear with me. This involves pro wrestling. Shut up. I know what I'm talking about. Uh but when WWF was Really the only game in town. Vince McMahon had Monday Night Raw, you know, for one hour. Bless you. uh, At 8 o'clock Eastern, maybe 9 o'clock, it doesn't matter. uh, But one hour. And over on the other channel, TNT was going to start up Monday, WCW Monday Nitro. And Eric Bischoff has said on the record, look, WWF is the established brand. And we're not going to just jump right in and beat them at their own game. If we can't be better than them, we have to be different than them. And I think that's what the XFL is doing. Look, the NFL is not going anywhere. So you can't just, you know, come out and have regular football. You've got to do something a little bit different. And I think that's what the XFL is doing. I applaud them for their courage. We'll see how it goes. I don't tell me, Paul, that you're not excited about the double, the double pass. The double forward pass. I know you You are.
2: Of all the rules that that were completely unnecessary, when was the last time someone got called for a double forward pass? Like a penalty, which is – and I realize it's illegal in the NFL and in college. When was the last time that was ever called? Probably the last time – like it's about as common as a one-point safety, I think – So it just seems like a lot of – that's just a lot of really unnecessary – just totally unnecessary.
1: Wait, but Um, what's a one-point safety?
2: Oh, you don't know what a one-point safety is? I think that's going to have to wait until the next – Yeah, put a pin in that one. Yeah, you'll have to Google it. There have been two of them in college football history. I'm
1: not Googling shit. You're going to tell us that one next week here (laughs) on the Five Heart (laughs) Podcast. I'll, I'll do that.
0: Come on, the double forward pass. It's gonna be Luke awesome. McCaffrey and Adrian what, what,
2: what is a double forward Tell me what word. a double forward pass would be. Is it's, it a forward pass that, that that you can make a forward pass past the line of scrimmage? Based
0: yes. on is the I, I thought it, that okay. guy throws it to another guy.
1: See, I thought I thought the I thought he still had to be behind the line of scrimmage, John. Oh,
2: is it? I don't know. I have a look. I think, I think it is. <laughs> I mean, it would be really interesting. It, it'd be like it, Honestly, if you could make a forward pass beyond the the line of scrimmage, we're not playing football anymore, we're playing ultimate frisbee. <laughs> so, and 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 basically every every fucking play is going to be the Stanford band play. You know, so sure, why not? Well, let's 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 just yeah. No, I mean a double forward pass is is two passes um uh one that starts so deep behind the line of scrimmage that you can complete a pass and still be behind the line of scrimmage and throw another one.
1: Well, I you think can, it's more like, can't. I think it's more intended for like a swing pass or a screen or something like that where you get it out towards the perimeter and then, you know, if you're, if you're the receiver on the edge or something like that and then you catch the ball, you have the opportunity to look downfield and make the throw that way. But it's not, it's not a lateral. It's still a forward pass behind the line of scrimmage. That's how I envision it in my mind. Well that's yeah. It, I guess uh, we'll but, find out in in February, damn it, Paul. I didn't mean to chap your ass about it.
2: I just think the whole XFL thing is just stupid because it's been tried and failed like every 3 years and it usually lasts about half a season and then you have a lot, a lot of players that depend on it and then they they're like stranded in Cleveland because they can't the, the place went you know the the, the league went tits up. Um, excuse me, Tango uniform on on them, and they're stranded and they can't get home, so they're like taking an Uber from from Cleveland to to Detroit. And I don't know if you've you know a lineman taking an Uber on a you know a Toyota Prius from Cleveland to Detroit sounds like a really miserable thing to do, plus kind of expensive. So you know I I just don't have a lot of use for the NFL. Excuse the XFL. I like them. no problem with the NFL.
1: We're we're gonna have to let this one play out, but the people. I'm gonna, rec-
2: I'm, gonna I, I'm gonna research what it takes to you know how much it costs to Uber from Cleveland to
1: Detroit. You do this- that, and you let me know how many Battle Hawks tickets I can buy with that money, and then you PayPal me the money so I can go see the St. Louis Battle Hawks this season, the XFL at the Dome at America Center, St. Louis, Missouri. It's gonna be awesome. We are. Hashtag clear to engage, caca. That's right, Battle Hawks, baby. All right, moving on. Uh, that's it for this episode of the <laughs> Five Heart Podcast. We appreciate you listening in. Hey, don't worry, this is the off season. Why, why do the
2: why did the episodes that I'm in always last like seven and a half hours?
1: <laughs> I mean, we can keep going, but I gotta be up at four thirty in the morning. So, um, oh, I do. I do too. Yeah. All so, right. Good night, everybody. Well, hold on, can I, John boy. Good night, Lane. The Waltons. Hey, see, you didn't think I would know that. You thought I'd be too young to know the Waltons. But uh, all right. Anyway, you know why?
0: You know why they last seven hours? Because you can't let them end. <laughs> I'm this trying to it could
1: have ended four
0: times now.
1: The, this is the Lord of the or uh, the the uh, Return of the Kings ending of podcasts. Where it goes on every, you know, time we think we're done with it, another conversation starts up and it's four more minutes. All right. We're seriously leaving this time. I'm Greg Mahachko for myself, John Dam Johnston, Paul Dalen. We remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. John. Go big red. Paul. When the damn off
2: season. Did I do it right this time? Yes. Did. You did. I did. I did. I did. I did. I did. I did do it. I'll have to put pants on.